Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. This is Jill Tibbles, and I'm in the studio today with Tom Ziggler. That's Zig's son. He's the CEO of the Ziggler Inc. And we were discussing the podcast today. It's going to be about voice inflection. And Tom said he had some funny stories. And I said, oh, I bet our listeners would like to hear them. So we drag him in here. Tom, tell me what you can remember about your dad and voice inflection. Oh, I've got lots of stories. But first, I want to say it's good to see you here, Jill. Uh, for all our listeners, Jill offices down in Austin, and our headquarters is uh, in Plano, just outside of Dallas. So she's actually up in our studios today. We are glad she's with us. Uh, you know, it's funny, when I was a child, and uh, some people would say last week, but it was actually about, <laughs> it was actually about 35, 40 years ago, uh, we would go to church every Sunday, and some Sundays, being a youngster, I'd say, Dad, do we have to go to church today? And he would look at me and he'd say, no, son, we get to go to church today. And so, but he would use it with a lot of voice inflection, like we get to go to church today, trying to make it exciting. And uh, <laughs> Did you buy it? I bought it. And, there you go. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because in voice inflection, it's a lot of what you say, but it's even more of how you say it. And so today on the way to school, uh, my daughter, Alexandra, who's 14, uh, she was having kind of a bad morning, and everything I asked her, she was unhappy with. And I said, you know, why don't she said, I said, what's wrong? And she said, I don't feel good. And I said, well, it's probably just allergies. It's windy and da 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 I said, why don't you start telling yourself that you feel fine, you're feeling better? And she said, you know, I'll do that because on the airplane on a recent trip, she was feeling kind of sick, and she talked herself into feeling better, and, hmm. she, and she did. So... Not only does voice inflection uh, help you communicate, but it's also self-talk. It can help you uh, get a better attitude or perspective of where you are. So you can have voice inflection in your mind as well as when you're speaking to someone. That reminds me when you were talking about when Zig used that for you as a kid, that whenever I work with people on presentation skills and they'll start talking and they're very monotone and they're going through their presentation and, and I'll talk to them about putting some enthusiasm into their voice and they'll say, but I'm trying to be professional. And I think that's funny how when we're talking with kids, we tend to be very animated in our voice and when we're reading books to them when they were little, we were animated in our voice. But when we think of that idea of being in business and being professional, we don't use our voice very well. So that's one of the things that, that I have appreciated learning from Zig is that you still can be very professional, yeah. but using your voice is, is a great way to use that. Yeah. Uh, just have that enthusiasm in there. Yeah, you know, I've seen in other applications, it's uh, kind of a technological application, but, you know, I'm on Twitter, and my Twitter name is at Tom Ziegler, and I talk about all things. And you tweet? I tweet, yeah, all things Ziegler. And uh, it's great to quote Dad on Twitter, because it's like he wrote every quote to be 140 characters or less. <laughs> he was a man ahead of his time. Yeah, and uh when you tweet, you've got to be very thoughtful about how you say something because you don't have a lot of room to say it in. And so you can actually see people who are more effective in this median putting, you know, the technological version of voice inflection into their short messages. And one of my favorite short messages that uh, is a Zig quote is selling is a transference of feeling. Mm -hmm. And when you feel really strong about something, you get voice inflection naturally. 
Right. Right. So that's a key. You know, if you want to convey a message, you've got to have feeling in the in the conveyance of that message. And so that's a great way to get voice inflection. It's just to let those feelings come out, especially in a sales process or when you're leading a group or trying to get an organization to do something. You've got to show passion for that. Have you seen that new show out? It's called Lie to Me. Yes. I think it's on Fox. I, one of the things I like about that show, I've actually only watched it a couple of times, but that they look at all the nuances of your face and your voice, and then they pop up all the current people you know that are out in the world right now. And so I was thinking to myself, I wonder how uh, people talk about how President Obama is so inspiring and how he has such great communication skills and and I wonder if any of that has to do with how he uses his voice so the last time I was listening to him he was, he's been on the news obviously <laughs> quite a lot lately and how he's really trying to persuade our country to move past this economic crisis to go out and to spend money you know to uh, stimulate the economy he was really using his voice to have that impassioned plea have you noticed that with anybody yeah, uh, boy, we need to pray for President Obama. I just can't imagine the job that he has. I mean, anybody who wants that job is uh, they automatically get respect. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just for wanting that exactly. job. But I tell you, you know, when he's out and he's he's been criticized, I think unfairly for using teleprompters and things like that. He literally has to absorb and translate, you know, dozens and dozens of messages every day. And he is his best when he can just focus in and communicate what he's passionate about. So he's very effective when he does that. So I think that's about all the time we have for this. And and let's go ahead and let's turn it over to Blake. Thanks, Tom and Jill. It sure is a fun treat to have both of you on the show today. And as I like to say here in Texas, I want to welcome all y'all to the development portion of the Ziegler Inspire podcast. Get ready to have some fun with me as we listen to Mr. Ziegler coach us how to use our voices better. Zig is going to mention the benefits of using a recorder to tape ourselves and listen back. Of course, we're not going to get caught up in the technology because the idea is to record ourselves and hear how we sound to our prospects. Let's grow together and listen to Mr. Ziegler and I'll be back in a few minutes. Now, in selling somebody, if you can make that customer start thinking, see, if you are selling a legitimate product at a legitimate price and it is in their best interest to buy, then you're making them think along those identical lines. Yes, voice inflection can play a tremendous role in selling. It means that you're selling on the offense instead of the defense. As Charlie Cullen said, you are selling uh, audaciously. You are challenging the prospect. Now, I want to say something here, as I've said before. In my judgment, the single most important skill you need to concentrate on is the learning of the use of your voice. I want to emphasize this is simple, but it is not easy. It's going to be a little embarrassing and challenging to sit there by yourself talking into that cassette player, making like a movie star or an actor somewhere or a recording artist. But my friend, the performance and the playing field of your empty room there, if you handle it properly, it will improve your performance much, much, much in front of the prospect. I challenge you to get your cassette out and you do exactly what I'm talking about. You need to do it a dozen times, even 20 to 30 times to get that voice inflection exactly right. Is it trouble? Yes. Is it work? Yes. Is it worth it? You betcha. It's worth every bit of it. Now suppose that the uh, prospect uh, has simply said to you, it uh, seems to me 
that the price is a little out of line. Now, please understand one thing. There are a lot of prospects who, for whatever reason, will automatically say the price is too high. Makes no difference what it is. They think that puts them in a better position to negotiate a better price or to get a better deal in some way, form, or fashion from you. And so they automatically are going to say something about the price being a little too high. What you need to do is find out if price really is the problem or is there another issue. My friend John Hammond has successfully handled literally thousands of objections of this nature. And what he does is very simple. He looks at the prospect and says, if there were a way I could show you that the price is more than fair and the product is worth every dime we're asking, would you go ahead and take advantage of our offer today? Now, what you're going to do is find out, is price the objection or is there something else? This forces the prospect to make a commitment based on price when his real objection might be color, style, neighborhood, or something else you could and should even must identify. If this is the situation, his response is going to be, well, no, not really. Price is not really the problem. And when he says that, then you can simply say, then there must be some other reason you're hesitating. Would you mind if I ask what that reason might be? A superb procedure for smoking out the real objection. Price is too high. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Prospect. Do you like the product? Notice again all the questions we're asking. Do you like the product? Well, yes, I like it, but it, it says that the price is high. Lower your voice. Look your prospect right in the eye. And I'll say this so many times throughout the series. Look the prospect in the eye. That's one of the reasons as a salesperson, unless there's absolutely dazzlingly bright sunshine, you're out on the desert somewhere, you must never have on sunglasses. That prospect needs to clearly see those eyeballs. Whether it is fact or fiction, most people have been taught that if he won't look in the eye, he ain't honest. How many of you have ever heard that? I don't like that guy. Wouldn't look me in the eye. Well, my experience has been that the greatest con men of all time, I mean the smoothest talking rascals I have ever seen, could look you dead center with those baby blue eyes and just charm you out of your last buck. And they never varied at all. I mean they looked you dead center. But most people agree that they don't trust those who will not look them in the eye. And so if you can't see their eyes, then the tendency not to trust is much greater. Among other things, they might think you're on drugs, you know, and that's the reason that uh, you need to have those uh, eyeballs where they can see. So anyhow, the prospect has said, uh, you've asked them if they like the product, and they say, yeah, I like the product, but the price is too high. Then you lower your voice, you look at them and say, wouldn't you agree, Mr. Prospect, that it is difficult to pay too much for something you really like? Now, that's a pretty good question. And if you're selling a low-ticket item, cosmetics, brushes, necktie, wallet, items, you know, that are not a significant purchase in itself, a single item, a lot of times that one question is enough. 
But if you're selling a lifetime insurance program, or if you're selling a fancy luxury automobile, or if you're selling a, a home at $200,000, you're going to have to come up with more than that. A lot of times they say, yeah, well, I see what you mean, but yeah, I think you can pay too much for something, even if you really do like it. I'd like to have a Cadillac, but I'm not going to give you $50,000 for one. But what you've done is significant because you have started that individual to thinking. Now, this brings us right back to something important. We call it the fear of loss close. Again, remember that the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. You need to establish in that prospect's mind the fact that he's safe in dealing with you, that he's not going to lose. And for him, a loss could either be money or it could be embarrassment, a loss of face. He's not going to lose by buying from you, but he will lose product benefits if he doesn't buy from you. So one effective way to do this is simply to say, Mr. Prospect, let me point out that you're going to be concerned about price only one time. That's when you buy. But you're going to be concerned with quality during the entire lifetime of the product. Then you lower your voice, look him right in the eye again and say, wouldn't you agree that it's better to invest a little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should? That is a good question. Wouldn't you agree that it's better to invest a little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should? You see, if you invest a little more than you had planned, all you're talking about is pennies. If you invest less than you should and the product will not do what you had wanted it to do, then you literally lose everything. A little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should. John Ruskin made an astute observation about price. It's unwise to pay too little. When you pay too much, you lose a little money. That's all. When you pay too little, you sometimes lose everything because the thing you bought was incapable of doing what it was bought to do. The common law of business balance prohibits paying a little and getting a lot. It can't be done. If you deal with the lowest bidder, it is well to add something for the risk you run. And if you do that, then you will have enough to pay for something better. That makes sense, doesn't it? Let me tell you why I encourage people to read and study so much. The question which I've used, wouldn't you agree it's better to pay a little more than you'd planned? That was initiated by the John Ruskin statement. Had I not read what John Ruskin said, then the other thing would never have come to mind. Better to pay a little more. Let me uh, uh, see if we can establish that in this way. How many of you ladies here today have got some cosmetics at home in a drawer? They've been there about a year. The jars are tightly sealed or the lids are tightly clamped. You're not using them. You know perfectly good and well you are never going to use them. But they're still good. And it would be wasteful, sinful, to take those cosmetics out and throw them away. You're not about to do that. What you are going to do is wait another year. And at the end of the next year, they then will be dried out, won't be useful for anybody, and now you can throw them away with a clear conscience. All oh, the girls are snickering. <laughs> Ladies, here's the question. Wouldn't it have been better 
to have paid or invested a little more than you had planned instead of a little less as you did. As it is, you have lost everything. That is, unless you now take those cosmetics down to the Salvation Army or some other charitable organization and donate to them so they can be used and you can get a tax write-off as a result of it. And the recipient wins and you win and everybody wins and they're happy as a result of it. My good friend, the late Dick Gardner, put it this way. Why settle for the get-by when in the long run the good cost less? That's a powerful statement. What are you doing daily to sharpen your skills as a professional salesperson? Are you consistently growing, stretching, and learning your craft? To be competitive, we have to stay sharp. I want you to come back next week and join us and take somebody with you as we continue to learn and grow together. Until then, I'm Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.